Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. Hey, if this is your first episode of Have Hope Will Travel, do me a favor and hit subscribe so you can come back and figure out what we're all about, because this is going to be a very different episode than what our show normally looks like. This week's guest has never been on a podcast before. This week's guest has never listened to a podcast. I'm going to take this moment to remind you that I have a podcast and this guest has apparently never listened. And this guest may have been forced against his will to come on the show. And he wanted to introduce himself. So, Dad, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Introduce myself. I don't know how do I do that. My name is Dennis. <laughs> What's Pleasure your last to meet name, everybody. Dennis? Uh, it's the same as Katie's. Axelson, <laughs> Axe, whatever you want to call us. We're good with that. We're good with that. Um, let's start here. What do you do for a living? What I do for a living today, I'm an executive coach. I work with a handful of CEOs and try to help make them better. And I'm also very active in several charities. Yeah. Including a MA Daily Foundation, Mars Family Foundation. Uh, tomorrow, we're hosting 15 different charities in a think tank. Yeah. So you like working with people with money to help make a difference in the world? I like working with people. You Whether like they have money or not, money yes. helps making a difference in the world. But I also believe that you can make a difference in the world by volunteering your time, yeah. your energy, your wisdom, mm -hmm. and then give your money. There you go. Yeah. Um, I wasn't going to start there, but who's somebody that's made a difference in your world? Someone that's made a difference in my world. I've been blessed with uh, several, I'll call them male figures that took me under their wing over the years, starting with a partner in a CPA firm to the number three person at First Star, First Wisconsin, mm -hmm. to Sam Johnson, mm -hmm. um, Ray Glade Pledge, to S. his right-hand man. Johnson, a family company, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. a family company, mm -hmm. to his right-hand man, a guy named John. And mm -hmm. uh, all of them were tough as nails privately, but they all had my back in the public setting. Oh, you better believe that they did. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your family. Who are who are we and how are we related? Why did you get forced on this podcast? Because I don't usually force guests to come. This is my oldest daughter. <laughs> she is very persuasive. In case any of you have not met her, she can convince people to do things that they don't want to do, like be on this podcast. <laughs> and uh, I'm very proud of her. She has her master's in divinity. And uh, let's see, middle daughter is named Laura Baker. She's no longer an Axelson, mm -hmm. but we tried to convince her husband, Zach, to change his name to Axelson. It just didn't work. <laughs> didn't work. She he would not be associated with us. Yeah, people don't know. She's a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, is, he is an electrical engineer. Youngest daughter is Christina Axelson, and she's a traveling nurse, as they say, making bank. Yeah. Yeah. And she works in the ICU. And she works in the ICU in the COVID unit. In the COVID unit. And are you married? I am married to myself. <laughs> I'm going to tell mom. No, don't tell mom. I <laughs> <laughs> my wife, Gail, has uh, been a blessing my entire life. Frankly, I probably wouldn't be here without her because I can be a little bit wild and crazy once in a great while. You? Or as, as my wife Gail says, he's 19 again. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's a very compliant one. She's a very so compliant it's, one. It's, it's a good compromise. She's very yeah. compliant and 
even though I'm a CPA, I think rules are guidelines. For those of you listening and that are familiar with this term, dad is an Enneagram eight and mom is an Enneagram nine, which makes for a very interesting house. It does. And I don't know what an eight or nine is, but. It means dad likes to argue and mom's compliant, basically. (laughs) True. Very true. (laughs) Yeah. I have, I have said to my parents, dad, follow some rules. Mom, break some rules. I'm good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Following rules or breaking rules? bending you never break you stay in the gray my favorite color is gray yeah you don't want to be in the pure white which is Mm -hmm. where gail is or you don't want to go to the dark side so you stay in the gray you stay in the gray um so we're gonna start um get you kicked off with a little bit of a silly story i want to hear a story from your childhood a silly story from my childhood? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm fishing for a specific one, but if you don't get it, that's fine. You can tell a different one and I'll ask it again. Well, let me tell you a, a serious story first. Okay, we'll start uh, there. Yeah, this is uh, part of my background that very few people even know. Hmm. And frankly, I don't believe Katie or the girls even knew till probably about 45, 50 years old. Um, oh, till we, we weren't 45, 50, you were 45 or 50. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You're, you're okay. really good with math too, by the way. I, I was going, I'm not 45 yet, dad. Nice try. <laughs> <laughs> um, born in Rockford, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Grew up with a single mom and a sister. We lived in an old army barracks mm-hmm. that was converted into housing. I can vividly remember walking out the front door. You walk down three steps and there's the parade ground. So think like a quad on a college campus, that's mm-hmm. where the military did all of their exercises. Yeah. And so it wasn't the easiest mm-hmm. uh, childhood by any stretch of the imagination. And at 10, yeah. my mom remarried and mm-hmm. my stepfather, who now I call dad, mm-hmm. fought like cat and dog yeah. for about eight years. And then he suddenly got smart. I couldn't figure out what happened, but he went from being one of the least intelligent human beings to one of the smartest dads I've ever met in my life. And it just magically happened overnight. When you turned 18, magic. When I turned 18, it just happened. Yeah. Um, So I was the first um, child of my generation to go to college. Mm -hmm. Went to college, counting degree, became a CPA, Mm -hmm. became a CFO, became a CEO, became chairman of the board. Mm -hmm. So literally, it's been a journey. Yeah. And um, a blessed journey for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to have. Um, let's put it this way I am the minority in the sorority around here. <laughs> okay. There's me, and then there's all the women growing up. So, and, and now there's Zach too. And now there's Zach. So, one of the things I used to tell the girls when they would bring a date home is I would explain to the date that I like to deer hunt. And I'd show them my scope and go how far can you see through that scope and they'd kind of look at me and I go just remember I can see through that scope pretty far you're brutal yeah yeah you're brutal so when Zach joined the family for a wedding gift he got a scope because I need some help with the other two daughters how's that working out for us well so far we succeeded in scaring all the men away (laughs) (laughs) maybe we need a shorter scope (laughs) maybe we need a different type of scope yeah (laughs) 
So yeah. funny stories. I didn't touch on it yet. So yep. go for it. Which one? Um, the story I was fishing for was when you had a visitor at school. Oh, visitor <laughs> at school. Uh huh. We grew up not having a lot of money to say the least. And so I'm in school one day in the classroom and there's this police officer knocking on the door. Is there a Dennis Axelson in the room? And everybody goes, ooh. I'm like, uh -oh. How old are you at this point? Did you tell <laughs> us that? How old are you? I was probably about 16 at that point, 15. Yeah, okay. Yeah, probably 15. Okay. So old enough to get in trouble, uh -huh. but didn't know I was caught, if you know right. what I mean. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the officer explains to me out in the hallway that my mom is in the schoolyard with a cow and she asked me to come get you. So I walk out of the school with this officer who is shaking in his boots and here she's out there in, in that schoolyard going, come here, Jenny, here, Jenny, here, Jenny. And here comes this 600 pound cow jumping up and down trying to come to my mom. At that moment, the officers didn't know for sure what the cow was going to do to my mom, so they're reaching for their pistol. Just then, my dad's truck drives by the schoolyard and hear this slams on the brakes, jumps out, starts running, calling Jenny, and this cow gets all excited and runs right to him. My dad puts a, a rope and walks the cow home, and all I heard was the cops under their breath going, I'll be darned. Never seen anything like that before in our life. This was a small farming town too. I don't know how the police officers had never seen anything like that before. Why they were so scared of Jenny? Well, when a when a six hundred pound cow gets happy and starts <laughs> jumping around like a little puppy dog, it can be kind of scary. <laughs> so Grandpa walked Jenny home, and you went back to class. Yeah, went back to class. <laughs> just it's a normal day. Just a normal day. Well, the, the officers coming to visit was pretty normal growing up. <laughs> second you have more time, you want to say about that? Oh, yeah. The second time is we're in the backyard and my dad's cooking brats and there's a very long driveway. <laughs> and this police officer comes driving up the driveway. At this time, I'm uh, 17. So I had my driver's license. And as the officer's driving squad cars coming up the long driveway, my dad looks at me and says, anything you want to tell me right quick? <laughs> Long pause, and I said, nothing I want to admit right now. <laughs> the officer came because they were looking for someone who was lost and wanted to know if we had seen them. Um, tell um, us about a time you bought a car on accident. Which one? Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> well, see, mom had a car that she loved, and it was a Honda CRV. And it started to have quite a few miles on it. So I'm out on Auto Trader, and this car pops up at a Milwaukee lot that had like 12,000 miles on it, pretty new. And having done my homework, I knew that the price was about $5,000 lower than it should have been, or there was something wrong with it. So I put my suit on, suit and tie, and I walked in the dealership and said, I want to test drive this car. I test drove the car, came back, and I said, I'll buy it. He's like, what? I said, yeah, I'll buy it. Here's the price. Well, th th that's not the price. Well, that's the price you posted on the internet. Is that not the price? Just a minute, I got to go get my manager. 
The manager comes over and explains to me that there were two black Honda CRVs, one with 75,000 miles on it and one with almost no miles on it. And the, the price difference was that was the other car. And so I just looked at him and said, I guess I only have one question. Um, are you going to honor the price that you posted on the internet or not? Because if the answer is not, then I think the internet should know that you don't honor the pricing that you post on the internet. Now, mind you, I'm in a three-piece suit with a tie. Mm -hmm. Manager goes to get the owner. The owner comes over and under his breath calls me a name. And you says, deserved. Mm -hmm. Said, sold. So I bought the car. <laughs> There's one problem as though. As I'm finishing up all the paperwork, um, they had one of those telephone booths in the lobby. Uh -huh. So if you buy a car, you got to go into the telephone booth and they were shooting dollar bills into this thing. And again, I'm in a suit. So I holler across the showroom floor for 20 bucks and you can have my spot in the telephone booth. No takers. So I go in there, they start whirling all the money around. I put my hand over where the money's coming out. A $20 bill hits the bottom of my hand and sticks. Well, that's cool. <laughs> then a five, then another 20, then a 10, and then a whole bunch of singles. I walked out of there with $80 cash. <laughs> so the owner is just shaking his head. <laughs> like, get this clown out of here. Mm -hmm. So I drive the car home. And I knock on the door and Gail's like, what's going on? And I said, you knock on the banned. garage door that you didn't just, you normally would just like walk in the house yeah, and you knock instead on knocked door. on the garage, the back garage door and made mom come answer the door. <laughs> yep. She goes, what's going on? And I said, I've been bad. <laughs> She's like, what did you do? I bought you a car. I thought she'd be happy. <laughs> I mean, how many husbands in the world come home with a new car for their wife? Without yeah. telling her. Without telling her. <coughs> was it wasn't a Christmas. It wasn't for her birthday. It's just done for fun. Right. Doesn't every husband bring flowers home for his wife? <laughs> so I kind of brought her a car home. She gratefully Any accepted the car. Yeah. What, tell me about the second time you bought a car in an accident. Well, see, that was a trade-in. I had a Toyota Avalon that had... 80,000 miles on it, but there was a Toyota Avalon, exact same year, exact same color that had 20,000 miles on it. So I went to the dealership and said, I want to trade my car in for that car. And he comes back. And I said, well, the only difference is the mileage. So how do you guys monetize the mileage? And it came out to about 10 cents a mile difference in price. So I'm like, so for 10 cents times 60,000 miles or whatever it was, I can get 60,000 miles less on a car? I'm done. So I thought I was sneaky and I would drive it around for a few days before mom would catch on because of the exact car, exact color. It was not the exact color. Oh, that was the second one. No, well. I did that twice. Yeah. The second one was was the uh, same year Avalon, same deal, same 10 cents a mile of savings, but that was a different color. You had maybe now four, maybe maybe I was thinking it had been three, but now I was thinking four Toyota Avalons all the same year because you started with a gold one. 
Yep. And then you had a black one. You didn't have that one very long. And then you had a blue one. Yep. All the same year, same model, different. I think mileage. I had two black ones. You think you had two <laughs> black ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's a piece of work. Yep. Well, look at it this way: a hundred thousand miles at ten cents a mile is ten grand. So, would you buy a car with a hundred thousand less miles on it for ten grand? Of course you would. Question. I'm not going to answer that question because I, I still think you're ridiculous. Well, I, I've been known to be ridiculous. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's called so the gray were, area. You were always looking for a good deal. I was deal of the century. Um, emphasis on was because after this happened, all of your car magazines got thrown away and all of your car buying apps got deleted. They did. <laughs> <laughs> it was a punishment worse than death. It's oh, pretty but brutal. I have had a few of those near-death experiences too. Oh goodness, I wasn't going to ask you to tell these stories, but if you'd like to, you may. Well, you see, I am 19 sometimes. So we had somebody put steps down in Georgia in a long walkway. Oh, each gosh. one of the steps were stone and each step weighed 400 pounds. And one of the stones busted in about three quarters. So it was a 250 pound stone sitting there and he replaced it and finished it and he left it there. Well, I thought it would be kind of cool to move it. So I got the wheelbarrow uphill, tried to flip the stone into the uphill wheelbarrow. That wasn't going to work. So I turned the wheelbarrow on the downhill side, flipped the stone so it was leaning in there, and then picture this, I lowered the handle down on the wheelbarrow, and it wheelbarrow pressed right against my stomach with the wheelbarrow handles on both sides. I'm pinned, and I'm grass skiing backwards down the hill, mm-hmm. grass skiing backwards. Mm-hmm. And then I hit the briar patch mm-hmm. and went backwards into the briar patch. The stone went up. My arm, it must have been going that way anyway because it would have busted my arm, but I hit it with my arm and it fell about a foot and a half from my head. So what does the dad do the very first thing, right? You're in a briar patch. You just made a lot of noise. You almost killed yourself. The first thing I do is jump up, look around to see if mom saw me. Uh And mom says, are you okay? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I picked briars out of the back of my head for I don't know how long. We're very grateful that you're still alive. Yeah, that's one. You're um, maybe, one of the reasons maybe that... Maybe it happened the second time. Different. Not that that exact same thing did not happen. No, different fight. Yeah. Uh, a 700-pound trailer. And uh-huh. unhitched it from my garden tractor. Thought I was on level ground. Obviously, I was not. I picked up the tongue of the trailer and I'm grass skiing again. Uh-huh. And so I get to the edge where it's kind of a cliff and I just kind of a cliff. And, <laughs> I just let go and throw the trailer. It rolls down about 20 feet, hits a tree and stops. But it made a heck of a racket. First thing I did, look around to see if mom saw me. She comes running around the side of the house. <laughs> what are you doing? Nothing. Where's the trailer? I parked it. What do you mean you parked it? Where did you park it? Down there. And mom didn't think that was very funny. She stomped back around to the front of the house. It took me two Polaris's and six hours to ratchet that thing back up the hill. If you follow me on Instagram at Katie Axelson, there is a highlight called Wacky Wednesday Parents Edition, 
where dad tells some of the stories or lists the things that he has thrown off the mountain. Well, there was the kayak. There was the kayak. Yeah. There was the trailer. Uh-huh. A stone. Uh-huh. I did roll over the UTV uh-huh. once. Uh-huh. Yeah. So there were a few things. Just a few things. Yeah. So um, as we... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm having fun now. Yeah, no, I know you are. Um, <laughs> I can't remember if I finished saying this or if I just started saying this. You are the reason that there is a rule in our family that if you're going to do anything, you have to have your Apple Watch on. Right. Because the fall detection on Apple Watch will call 911 if you fall down the mountain and mom is not there to hear it. And mom has that thing set so sensitive <laughs> that if I stumble, it says, are you okay? So just in case you somehow escape mom, your watch is asking you, are you okay? Exactly. When I asked the internet what they sh- what I should ask you, yes, um, they wanted to hear a story from my childhood, and I have one in particular that I'd like you to tell. Okay, which one is that? Um, I had something in the family room I wasn't supposed to have in there. Oh. <laughs> Each daughter had something in the family room that wasn't supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. The first daughter was uh, two and a half, maybe barely talking that was katie (laughs) no liquids were allowed in the family room no liquids so i walk in one day and katie's got a cup in her hand in the living room katie what are you doing with the cup in the living room she looks at me and says oh daddy it's just water it'll evaporate (laughs) what do you say to that I I was speechless. And to this day, (laughs) she makes those types of comments. You're welcome. I just like to keep Mm -hmm. you on your toes. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the time you failed fourth grade spelling. That was yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't spell anything. I went from being one of the first individuals selected for the old spelling bee to the last guy in fourth grade. Yeah. And um, I, I like second grade so much. I stayed there for two years. <laughs> I figured what the heck, you know, if you like it, you stay and enjoy it. Um, that wasn't what I was going for, but Hey, fun fact about dad, he repeated second grade. There you go. Um, the story I was going for was when we commuted to school. Oh yeah. And you, um, helped us with our spelling words. Just talk, oh, just talk right. about that year when we commuted to school, because we had a 45-minute drive to school, right? and we had quite a few adventures on that 45-minute drive. So tell us a little bit about what put us in that situation, why we did that, and what some of our adventures were. Dad took a new job in Racine, and we were living in Waukesha. We in Waukesha had what you would call a dream house. We were on a cul-de-sac. Our best friends were the two neighbors next door, mm-hmm. never wanted to move. Then I got a job with Sam Johnson in Racine. And long story short, was encouraged to relocate, which Gales wasn't really happy about it. So at that point in time, Katie started struggling in school, a la dad, and had teachers that were yelling at her. Mm-hmm. So I was Gail's, in public school. Yeah, public school. So Gail, being the good teacher that she is, said, we're going to start looking at private schools. In Racine, there is a world-class private school called the Prairie School. It's a K through 12 
private school founded by the Johnson family with the idea being, if we're gonna bring in world-class leaders from around the globe, we have to have a world-class school for them, for their kids. So it has things like a glass blowing studio inside. Mm -hmm. um, it's the only school in the country the that lets middle schoolers blow. And at the time, at least when we were in high school, there were only four in the country that had high schoolers blowing. So that really is world-class. Right, and everybody was required to play sports. Um, it was just, they did things differently. There was a no cut policy with the sports as well. So you couldn't like no go out for policy. a sport and get cut. Um, so right. my sisters and I all played tennis all four years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, at one of our black tie dinners at work, I was sitting at a table that I figured out later was stage. <laughs> on my right. Of course it was. Yeah. On my right is the retired CEO from SC Johnson who was deaf as a post. And on my left was the headmaster of the Prairie School who knew I had three kids. Imagine that. Imagine that. So and a teacher next, wife. And a teacher wife. So next thing I know, he's inviting me out to lunch, come to the school. I really like the school. So came home, told Gail, Kate's struggling, da, 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 da. I know we don't wanna move, but would you at least come look at the school? So she decides to come over and look at the school, Prairie School. The headmaster's name is Mark. I explained to him Gail's background. So he did something different. He basically said, I'll give you a kind of the lay of the land of the school, but the rest of the day is yours. You can go anywhere you want. You can knock at any door you want. Just introduce yourself as a prospective parent. Stay as long as you want. So Gail stayed eight hours at the school, <laughs> called me on the way home from the cell phone and said, we're moving. Mm -hmm. It was the best school that she had ever seen. And she was so enthralled with what they're doing and how they're doing it. She has mm -hmm. now been a substitute teacher there for 20 some years. Yeah. Teacher, um, long-term sub, She's been a coach. She's worked with the, the students that need extra assistance. She's been a full-time teacher as well. Full-time teacher as well. So to kind of add to that, Gail got very involved in the school, which I got very involved in the school and ended up being on the board of trustees for 14 years. Mm -hmm. My first trustee faculty dinner. So they would bring all the trustees. You get to have dinner with all the teachers. And back then they served alcohol. So <laughs> when I sat down, two of the teachers saw my name tag and looked at each other. You've seen that look, I'm sure, where there's a story. Uh -huh. I didn't say anything about it. I waited till they had a couple glasses of wine. And later on in the evening, I said, okay, when I sat down here, Janet, you looked over and you guys made eye contact like there's a story here what was that all about and they both started giggling and they said you're married to the woman with the questions because <laughs> <laughs> when gail was there she, apparently she grilled all the teachers on what they're doing why they're doing it mm -hmm. yes the woman with the questions um she went to mark repeatedly and every time he would say how awesome something was she would say show me and so he yeah. would show me yeah. show me show me show me all day long 
um, apparently, I think they were dissecting frogs that day or something that, that when she was there and yeah, it was turned out to be pretty cool. Yeah. So on a side note, I ended up becoming, I don't know how this happens, but I ended up becoming chairman of the development committee fundraising arm. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, we put together a team and in the 14 years we raised $20 million for the school. Wow. That's impressive. Not because of me. No. Some say in spite of me. I all mean, I was, all I yeah, all I did was put the team in place. Yeah. Set the boundaries and then I tried to clear all the political hurdles and let them go do their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it worked. No, I, I don't know how I get into these spots, but Katie also went to Gardner Webb University. Mm-hmm. That's where she graduated undergrad. Uh, once again, I was blown away by the school and just the way they do things was just very special. And it caught my attention more so than most. Next thing I know, I know the principal or the president, president of the school, mm-hmm. Dr. Bonner, and he knows me. Every time we were there visiting Katie, we're talking, and I ended up getting to know several of the English professors. We'd go out to dinner. And several day, other professors too. It wasn't just in my department. We knew a couple of professors right. from other departments too. Professors yeah. I never even yeah, had several. in class, so I didn't introduce you. Yeah, several. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, next thing I know, Dr. Bonner calls me and asks me if I want to be on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I served on the board for three years. And then I get a call from Dr. Bonner saying, will you become chairman of the board? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this gingerbread white boy from Wisconsin, chairman of the board of a Baptist school in North Carolina. Uh-huh. How the heck does that happen? <laughs> I figured everybody else took a step backwards and I must have been slow and <laughs> didn't move. Hmm. I ended up becoming chairman. It was fun. Chairman of the board. All right. So since we're talking about college, especially and private schooling, um, and you've talked about fundraising, tell us why it's important to give to your alma mater. Why is it important to give to your alma mater? Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, you're, if the alma mater did, if the school did the right by you, they gave yes. you a great education. The great education that you got also came with networks. It also came with learnings. Um, as I like to tell Dr. Bonner, we gave you a naive high school graduate. You gave back to us a woman of the world. And that's the best way I can describe what you learn in college. I'm going to clarify, since you called me a woman of the world, in some circles, that means prostitute. I'm going to clarify that's not what he meant. (laughs) No, not that type of woman of the world. She's been to, how many countries have you been to, Kate, around the globe? Oh, I don't know, probably 25. All right, so a woman of the globe, or a globetrotter, a globe traveler. I'd only been to three by the time I graduated. Five yeah. by the time I graduated college. And then right after that, you went on a mission trip, 11 countries in 11 months. It wasn't right after that. Carry- it, was, it was a couple of years. I worked at Garnaway yeah. for a couple of years. It was what mm-hmm. you could carry on your back. Yeah. Yeah. And when I became chairman, unknown to me, mm-hmm. Katie and the school behind the scenes were putting together this video clip of her on her 11-month mission trip mm-hmm. where Gail and I went down and spent a week with her in Nicaragua. Yeah. And so when they introduced me as the board of trustees chairman, they mm-hmm. played this three or four minute video. Mm, I didn't know that. Yep. That's when they played it. That's cool. 
Yeah, so really, as one of the other trustees came up and said, you didn't need to say anything. The video said it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I recorded the audio for that video at a Starbucks in Guatemala City. And yeah. so there are a couple of clips where, thankfully, the sound technician at Gardner Webb is phenomenal, where he was able to get the background noise out. But there are a couple of clips where it actually reinforced it to leave it in there. So the background noise, if, you, if you've seen the video or if you see it, the background noise is all a Starbucks in Guatemala City. It's designed to sound like children, but it's definitely a Starbucks. Yep. And just so you don't think <laughs> I only harassed Katie at her schools, mm -hmm. each one of the daughters went to different schools. Um, one of the schools just didn't excite me as much. And then the school that my youngest daughter went to, she wanted to be a nurse. They created an incredible nursing building, a brand new building, brand new facility, brand new curriculum. And they got three years into it. And to get your RN, you have to pass a test called an NCLEX. So it's like a CPA exam for accountants. And her school had the lowest passing rate of any college university in Tennessee. So what do you do? You have two choices if you're the administration. You either say, we got a bad program or we got bad students. They said we have bad students. So they tightened all of the restrictions to graduate to be so ridiculous that they could only graduate the perfect student to pass the test. And so then dad got heavily involved. Yeah. And when we moved to a, she moved to a different school. Mm -hmm. um, it was not a pretty sight. Did you get that program shut down or does it still exist? They were on probation. Okay. Double secret probation. I was to say, we won't go any further into that to protect the integrity of that school, whatever they've got of it. But you, you tried to get this program shut down. Well, I ended up sending a nice little presentation to the president of the university, meeting with the chairman of the nursing program and basically told him he's an idiot. Pretty much. Is there anyone you haven't and, told they're an idiot? Pardon me? Is there anyone you haven't told they're an idiot? I look in a mirror all the time. Okay, good. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't told that person he's an idiot. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Everybody else has. <laughs> but we love you. <laughs> Thank you. Go ahead. But if I may finish that yep. story, our daughter went from, she got a D in this class, that when dad got involved, um, she's dyslexic. The class was night class. Class had three classes between exams, two of which were canceled. And they gave the exam anyway. And said, read the book. You know, why pay big bucks to go to college when you can just read the book? Well, being dyslexic, that's darn near impossible. Mm -hmm. And they instituted a program that said, if you don't get at least 80% on your multiple choice exams, no matter what else you do in the class, the highest grade you can get to D. There are only two multiple choice exams. Class started in January, spring semester. The second was the one that only had one class. That put her below the 80%. And she was told in February that the highest grade she can get in this class is a D. Mm -hmm there weren't any more multiple choice exams everything else was performance-based 
reporting, individual based on how do you do things. And she aced all those. That's when dad got involved. They ended up throwing out all of the questions that were related to the two class periods, two classes that were canceled. And her grade went from a D to an A. <laughs> and she went to a new school. Yeah. So Papa Bear, as the girls call me, can be a, a fun person to be around. Oh, fun is one word for it. Yep. What else you got, Kate? Yeah, Mr. Shy, even quiet, who didn't even want to come on the show. I know I'm so boring. I'm sorry, audience. I know you're boring and, and we're stuck listening to you. So let's, we're going to shift a little bit. We've talked some of the fun, ridiculous stories and some of the deeper stories, but we're going to go a different direction. When you were talking about building a fundraising team, you talked about how you just put the team together in place and then tried to get out of the way. How do you build an effective team? Well, I wanted a combination of two things that I was looking for on this team. One, I wanted people with significant wealth and I needed the doers, I'll call it, the people that would volunteer, roll up their sleeves and get it done. The reason I wanted significant wealth is if I can build passion and we mm. need $25,000, I have somebody sitting in the room that can give 25 grand. Sure. They are the type of individuals that don't like to work hard being a volunteer, which is cool. They work hard to get their money. Mm -hmm. So I also wanted a lot of people that could have a lot of fun, be passionate about it and work hard. Mm -hmm. So we created this odd mix of the wealthy mm -hmm. and the people that were working hard. And I made sure that every meeting started on time and finished on time. Started exactly on time, finished exactly on time. How did you Anybody do that? that I took my wristwatch off and put it right in the center of the table and said, guys, this meeting is going to be one hour. At 10 minutes before the hour was up, I would do a time check with everybody going, we have 10 minutes left. I'm calling the meeting in 10 minutes, whether we're done or not. So what else do you want to cover? Mm -hmm. And then meeting adjourned. Anybody that wants to stay can stay. And then we would have, you know, some people would stay, but most people had other commitments. Boom. Mm -hmm. My attendance at the committee that I ran was the highest of any of the committees because everybody knew it's one hour sure. yeah. <laughs> in and out. And then the other thing I always tried to do was interject some fun, mm. um, it, it, silly stuff, but fun. And I also like to have people on committees like that that are pretty competitive. <laughs> so we would have call nights where we would make phone calls to try to raise money for the school. Mm -hmm. And I'd be there and I'd come out and go, 100 bucks, just got $100 on the phone. Doesn't matter from who, but just got 100 bucks. It was and your own 100 bucks. <laughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point in time, I would see three other guys go, <laughs> and pretty soon they come out and say, 150. Nice. <laughs> or we would do a board retreat and the members of the development would split up all the board members because we would do a one-on-one -on -one ask. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in people give to people. Mm -hmm. People do not give, in my opinion, to things. People yeah. give to people. Yep. So almost all of the asks that we did were one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. But I had one of the guys on the team saw me talking with another board member, and he comes running over, and he says, are you talking to my Mark? 
<laughs> so no, 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 he's yours. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You would divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. And you would also, corner everyone. I got cornered at a graduation party by somebody yeah, asking if I was going to school. I was still in college. Yeah. And I hadn't but, even graduated but, yet. And I got cornered at a grad party. Go ahead. We made it a lot of fun. Yeah. And we had, as an example, for everybody that was on the development team, once a year, we invited them to our house for a blowout party. And the school oh, what kind of have, party? It was a blowout party. You're going to need to define that term. I If you... I, I shall. So <laughs> every year the school had a auction to raise money. Every year somebody would put on the auction a chef prepared dinner at your home. Every year I would buy that thing. Mm-hmm. So there were three years in a row that we had lobsters flown in from Maine who were parents who had a second home in Maine. And when they would coordinate it, They'd go there and then they'd fly them back for, and then they came and cooked them for us. And we would have a hoot. But everybody had a lot of fun. The chefs that would show up, you know, would cook outside at night in the grill. So mm-hmm. I'd buy them a little flashlight for their forehead. A headlamp. And mm-hmm. The headlamp. And so they thought that was pretty cool. And then whoever was there helping cook also got to partake in the party. So made sure that everybody felt included Mm -hmm. and we would have a lot of fun, but mixing in the fun with the hard work with the reward. Mm -hmm. Um, Finally, when it was time to report to the board, I had to give the report, but it was never my name. I made sure that the other folks on the committee got all of the recognition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. didn't do it i don't 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 thank me if you don't yeah. mind would you go thank this person this person and this person yeah and so the board would then go thank those individuals and they're mm-hmm. like how do you even know yeah well dennis told me at the board meeting mm-hmm. yeah so, so that's kind of how the, the the trick of what little trick there is yeah um prior to those changes the school's fundraising was write a letter, sale and mail and go to the mailbox and hope for mailbox money every day. <laughs> um, the most they'd ever raised in a year was 200 grand. Wow. Um, we were annually raising 450 grand wow. when, I, when I left in the annual fund, mm-hmm. plus 125 grand in the golf outing, plus 200 grand in the one night black tie dinner that yep. we set up, um, plus the capital campaigns that yeah. we did on top of that. Yeah. And the capital campaigns that we did, the deal that I had with the team was no money can go to a capital campaign unless their annual giving stays the same. Because hmm. the annual fund group had yeah. a goal. Yeah. And it wouldn't be fair for the annual fund group to take their money, give it to the capital campaign group right. so they can be happy. Right. And the annual fund groups didn't hit their goal. Yeah. So it was always incremental. You gave Mm -hmm. us $1,000 last year to the annual fund. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'd ask you to do that. Plus, would would you consider doing $5,000 over two years or three years? Yeah. Yeah. In case you haven't figured out, 
I don't have any fear of asking people for money. We know that. You don't have a, yeah. any fear of people, period. I like people. Yeah, we know. Yeah. And, and we, I like having fun. Yeah. Um, speaking so of, go ahead. They're not expecting an accountant to be right. funny or have fun. Yeah. It's true. And so when I would do goofy things like I've been known to do, everybody mm-hmm. would be like, wow, she can do that. I guess I can let my hair down here and have some fun too. So if we haven't gotten a good picture of your leadership yet, which I think we have, but tell us about the time that you worked at a company that had a factory and what your, I think it was Friday routine was at the factory. My background is not manufacturing. I'd always been in the uh, white collar side, banking, financial services. Mm -hmm. So I became CEO uh, of a factory. We had 600 employees in seven states, largest factory was right behind the corporate headquarters. So on Friday at two o'clock, if I was in town, only if I was in town, I had my secretary, she gave me a big bag of candy bars. So I'd take the bag of candy bars and I'd go walk around the factory floor and hand out mm-hmm. candy bars, mm-hmm. two o'clock on Friday. First time I did it, yeah. by about two months, three months in, I was learning more about what was going on in the factory than mm-hmm. anybody could possibly know. Mm-hmm. You're the CEO, right? Yep. Yes, I am. Well, can I ask you a question? Sure. Well, how come we disbanded the safety committee? Good question. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of it. I'll look into it. Mm-hmm. Boom. Safety committee's back. Mm-hmm. Next Friday or a couple Fridays later, somebody says, John, I go, okay, which one's John? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 600 people, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The guy with ponytail over there, okay? You had a tour go through and he basically went over with safety glasses and told one of the individuals on the tour, if you don't put the safety glasses on, you cannot continue on the tour. Now, he's just a fork truck driver or, or whatever his duties, but he went to people in suits mm-hmm. walking through the factory and yeah. said, this is how much we believe in safety. Yeah. And they told me about it when I'm giving my candy bars out. Okay. So next day I called an all factory employee meeting mm-hmm. and I asked John to come forward and I told everybody what John did and how proud I was of John to be on our team. And I gave him a hundred dollar gas card. Nice. And said, thank you. We take safety very seriously here. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate the fact that you had the hoods put to go out of your way to tell people we take it seriously. Mm-hmm. So how's that for a story? That's good. Um, I, that's actually not even, I've never heard the John story. Um, I was thinking about the woman who had wanted two pieces of candy. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then when I resigned, I went out and told all the factory workers that I was leaving mm-hmm. and the woman that wanted two pieces of candy said, who's going to bring us candy every Friday? <laughs> Um, tell us why she wanted two pieces of candy, though. Uh, I don't remember. Why did she want two pieces of candy? Because she had two kids and she couldn't take oh, yes. one piece of candy for two kids. Right. Yep. And so yep. every week, everyone else got one piece of candy and she got she two. Got two yep. I forgot about her. Yep. Yep. And yep. then on your last day, you left a pile of candy in multiples of two on her desk. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah. yeah. We lost one of our largest clients as 
part of manufacturing and they took over many of the employees, uh, real awkward scenario. But as I walk through the last day with these employees, it's now five o'clock and there's one big man and he's kind of over by himself. I go, Lauren, are you okay? And he turns around and he's got tears coming down his eyes. He's like, I've been working for this company for 20 years. I did not want to leave to go work for somebody else, but I have no choice. Mm. And I said, I know, I, I understand. I wish it could have been done differently, mm-hmm. but it didn't work that way. And I pull out my wallet, reached in my wallet, and I said, will you do me a favor? He said, sure. So we take your wife out to dinner tonight yeah, and tell her how much we appreciate the fact that we were able to work with you over these years. Yeah. And now he's bawling like a little baby. Yeah. But I don't know. You, you treat people like you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. There's nothing magical about it. To yeah. me, it's all common sense. Yeah. There are enough people in the world that want all the credit. Great. Mm-hmm. I'll give you all the credit. I don't care. Yeah. But you better deliver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, for if sure. If you don't deliver, then we got a different discussion. We got a different problem. Have. Yeah. Then that's called accountability. I'll clear the path for you all day long, but you yeah. better deliver. Yeah. Um, I tell this story sometimes when you and your partner were giving a presentation and he got up and introduced himself as whatever C-level he was um, to all the employees and very elaborate, this is who I am, blah, blah, blah. Um, did his presentation. It was nice. Everyone golf clapped for him. Um, and then he sat down and then you, gave, you got up and you may have said your name, but you didn't have to introduce yourself because everyone already knew you because they'd already shaken your hand in the factory every day when you give them a piece of candy. Yeah. And so it's just a really good picture of like people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is like tomorrow's event. We'll have probably 20, 20 people I've never met before Mm -hmm. from 13, 14 different charities. Yeah. Well, I'll be at the door when they walk in. Mm -hmm. I will, I will have met each one of them before we start. Yeah. and, And talked with them. And you will get to know every single one of them and their ministries. Yep. And then the, uh, I know we're running out of time here, but I'll leave you yep. with one last Oh, I'm thought. not done with questions, but you can leave oh. a last thought before I ask you a couple more questions. Okay. One of the things that I've been doing for over 30 years, mm-hmm. and it's old school, yep. but it is extremely effective. And I know each one of my daughters are doing it also. Anybody that gives me a business card, it's a personal handwritten thank you note. So if I go to lunch with somebody, didn't know them before, exchange cards, they're going to get a personal handwritten note. And I'll be honest, the first line and the last line are almost always the same. The line in the middle came from the conversation that we had over mm-hmm. lunch. Mine have been about their dog or their kid or, or whatever. Yeah. Over the years, I can't even begin to tell you how many of those thank you cards I have seen in somebody's mm-hmm. inbox when I'd meet them the next time mm-hmm. or sitting on their desk mm-hmm. or run into somebody I haven't seen in five years. And they go, you're the guy that sent me the thank you card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes yeah. a difference. It's huge. It's huge. It, it's yeah. huge. So well, the last couple, oh, go ahead. Nope. Go. I'll give you five more minutes. Five more minutes. All right. I don't think I'm the one taking all the time here. Yeah, it's all your fault. All my fault. Yeah. A um, couple questions that we always like to ask guests. What do you wish everyone knew? 
what do I wish everybody knew? Mm-hmm. I wish everybody knew the golden rule. Mm-hmm. Treat everybody like you want to be treated. Yeah. That would make the world a whole different place, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. It would for sure. Um, this one, actually, everyone always marvels at this question. I actually got it. You had talked about um, the college prep school that we went to. I actually got it from our college prep portion of the college prep education. If you could be any inanimate object, what would you be and why? Inanimate? Yep. I want to be a golden retriever. Everybody loves me. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> an inanimate object. An object? I don't an want object. to be an object. You have to be an object. I don't want to be an object. My friends, I probably would be a battle. microphone because then everybody would talk at me. I was gonna say, this, my friends, is where we cut, get to a battle of stubbornness. Who's gonna give first, dad or Katie? Yep, <laughs> you're gonna be a microphone so everyone listens. Oh, I'd be a microphone so everybody's talking at me. Yeah, um, I did make the mistake of putting a microphone in front of you. That was a bad choice, Mr. Microphone, and I are friends. Yeah, I know. Am I getting that microphone back? No, no. All right, you got um, two more minutes. Okay, we, I got my clock going right here. I, I know you got your clock going right here. I did not set, tell you that this was going to be a certain period of time. Um, I mean, I did a little bit. Um, we left a story hanging, and I actually think it'd be a really good place to land the plane. So we talked about when we commuted 45 minutes to school, um, and we talked about spelling in that time, and we did not talk about your storytelling abilities. So let's uh, end with a story um, from that commute. For any parent that has the opportunity to spend 45 minutes every day in the car with their kids. Um, it's a blessing. It's mm-hmm. just absolutely amazing how much fun we had mm-hmm. in that 45 minute. You did the morning commute and mom picked us up. So we got 45 Correct. minutes with each of you. Correct. But we have so many stories about 45 minutes country roads, the woman whose car mm-hmm. it was 20 below, she stalled. Yeah. And we pick her up, put her in our van, take her home, and we're late for school mm-hmm. and explain to everybody why. We were to, late a lot. <laughs> we were late a lot. To <laughs> the story about me leaving work and yeah. one of the employees' cars, the heat the heater was out. No, the heater was out in our car. That's a different story. Oh, okay. All right. So. Heater he was had, out in their car. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So I let him take my car. Mm-hmm. And we had to go to school in an unheated vehicle the next day. Mm-hmm. And then just because it was fun, we had the <laughs> heater go out in our car. If you remember, backing out of the garage and we're watching the temperature go from 20 uh-huh. down to minus 20. I remember. And the heater's out in the vehicle. We um, the used to we used to take turns who got to sit in the front seat and who got to sit in the back seat because this was before airbags in the front seat. And whose ever turn it was in the front seat sacrificed their turn in the front seat to sit in the back seat. So my sister, Laura, and I could cuddle with the blanket because we had a 45 minute commute. I don't really think it was 20 below. They closed school when it's that cold, but it was, it was winter in Wisconsin. It it had to be at least 20 below. Winter was probably (laughs) 75 below. (laughs) We were in an enclosed vehicle. Yeah. What do you do for 45 minutes? Uh So I started making up stories Mm -hmm. and I made up the story about Captain Alien. Mm-hmm. He has four feet, you know. And then from there, it went on and on and on and on. And every day, mm-hmm. the girls would get in the car and say, Dad, Dad, tell us more about Captain Alien. Mm-hmm. I go, you know, he has four feet. <laughs> <laughs> and so Captain Alien became a household story mm-hmm. for years and years and years after that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So we would get in the car, we would do review our spelling, we would tell Captain Alien stories, and then we would probably review spelling again before we got to school. And I failed spelling at the beginning and spelling at the end. <laughs> you didn't get any of the, the words list. Um, anything so, else I haven't asked you that you want to talk about? That's a dangerous question for you. I just close by saying how blessed I am to have a wonderful family and to be part of watching Katie, Laura, Christina grow into beautiful women. And I am very proud of the difference that they're making in the world. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And I probably wouldn't be here without my wife, Gail, for multiple reasons. And uh, I'd truly be lost without her. She's an angel. Yeah, she is. She puts up with a lot. <laughs> like all four of oh, us. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> More than a lot. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show, Daddy-O. I appreciate it. Getting yeah. to capture some of your stories, getting to hear your heart of what you do for work and what you do when you just hang out with us um, and how many cows you've chased across the country. Moo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Over All right. Talk out. to you later. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye-bye. Wow. You're still here. That is not something I take lightly. I always have a lot of gratitude for you listening, but especially today when it was Dad and I bantering. Maybe you learned something, maybe you picked up a trick or two, or maybe you just got a good chuckle at the man that my friends affectionately refer to as the problem child. You can find more of Dad's ridiculousness on my Instagram, at Katie Axelson. He often ends up in my stories, and of course those get saved as highlights. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know which family member I should harass next. I mean persuade next. And if you didn't, no worries. We should be back to our regularly scheduled programming in two weeks. We'll see you then. Have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs>